2: Look what Jesus says, Matthew 25. This is not me, this is not Calvary Chapel, this is not Pastor Mark, this is Jesus. Then they who reject God will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous, the Christ followers, to eternal life. Now, why did Jesus say that in those days? Because it's true. And he's trying to say to you, you have a choice and you can make the choice right up to the end. The moment you take your last breath, The choice has already been made by you.
0: That's it, it's done. Preaching or teaching about hell isn't very popular these days. Some churches believe preaching about hell is distasteful or an antiquated way of thinking. They believe that a loving God wouldn't send people to hell. Pastor Mark will be teaching about hell today, as well as heaven. You'll find out whether or not God sends people to hell. You'll also learn how to hang tough when tough times come your way. You'll hear about the Thessalonian church and what they were going through and how they reacted to their difficulties. You'll also discover how what they experienced applies to your life. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 as he continues his message encouragement in the middle of increased persecution
2: can i just say to you thank you from myself all the pastors and elders thank you i watch you you're growing in your faith your faith for god thank you so much you're growing in your love for one another you know you can walk in a church And there's division in the church. If you have any kind of spiritual growth, maturity, when you walk in that church, you'll know something's wrong already. I've been there. Church splits, not from us, way back in my dad's time. Way back, way, way, way back. And I've been in other churches. When you walk in and you go, man, these people don't like each other. They hate the pastor. I just get up and walk out. I don't want to be in a church like that. Can I thank you? for not being those kind of people, you love one another, and you even kind of like the pastor sometimes. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Now, that's because I have a new shirt on. My wife bought me. I know. That's pretty shallow love, so come on, let's move on. Let me go on. Look at verse four. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and your faith, In all the persecutions and trials you're enduring, what does Paul do? He says, you're like the role model. And I'm telling all the other churches that I've started, wow, look at these guys. I don't have to do that. All of our campuses are filled with love and filled with faith. We know to put God first. We know to love one another. But it's nice being a role model, even though we're obviously not perfect. Now, persecution is not new. This was 2,000 years ago. Well, a little before that, remember, when the day of Pentecost came, the early church came, there was persecution. like After the day of Pentecost, the Jewish people hated these people, all Jews, who became believers in Jesus. They hated them. They caused persecution. Remember, Stephen was a young man. He was stoned to death, the first martyr for his faith. The second one was, you remember James was the first apostle. He was killed for his faith. Now, that verse four that we boast about your perseverance and faith and persecution, it applies to all of our churches around the world today. Let me read you an article that I just came across. Christians endured in the world more pushback than any other religious group each year from 2007 to 2017 when they faced harassment because they were Christians in 143 countries. The number one people in the world that are experiencing persecution are Christians. You know why? It's not about the church. It's not about the name of the church. It's not about God. It's about Jesus. Because what do we believe? Just exactly what Jesus said, John 4, 6. What does he say? He's the way, the way, the truth, the life. And you can't get to heaven except by Him. That's why they hate us. Well, I can get there any other way. No, you can't. So the persecution is there. So it doesn't matter where we live. Would you agree with me that our religious freedom here in America is getting less and less and less and less? Exactly. We see all these rules that people are putting in now. And they're against Christianity. They make us look bad. That's okay. That's just the way it's going to be. Now I think it was two years ago, two and a half years ago, Linda and I were invited to Nepal to teach, one of the Asian nations. And we flew into Kathmandu, and I did a lot of teaching through an interpreter, obviously, to the people there in that country, which basically aren't Christians, but many people had come, and there was pastors there, and it was just a wonderful time. We had a great time. And I was shocked. That was like two years ago, I think 17. That shocked me when I came across, look what I came across in May 2018. Four countries in Asia pass laws banning religious conversions. In other words, banning a person sharing their faith publicly on the street, i.e., doing evangelism. Four countries in South and Southeast Asia, from their supreme courts, already have a rule that bans conversion of their citizens away from the country's major religion. This anti-conversion law is in place in Nepal, Myanmar, Bhutan, and India. So if I would go back to Nepal now, I might be able to get away with teaching in a room or a little place, but if Christians who live there are on their street And they're trying to share with somebody. Just say, how's your day? Well, it's really bad. Well, can I just pray for you? God cares for you and whatever. You know what happens to them next in those four countries? Jail. See, we don't understand what's happening in our world. The worst country in the world for persecuting Christians is China. I went to China 15 times teaching and whatever. I can't go back today. They'll take the pastors that I talk to, teach, put them in jail, and they put me in jail. It's happening everywhere. Not just Christians. They're doing the same thing to Muslims. Do you know, they're brainwashing Muslims, put them in prison, take them from their families, and never return them to their families. The Father. And they say, You will never say the word Allah again. So the persecution is all through our world. When you see that happening, we kind of say this God, When is enough enough? Come on back. Well, it's not time. So we have to be bold. These Christians being persecuted that Paul's writing to, they were bold. They're still sharing the gospel no matter what happened to them. Now that's hard for us to think about. But when that's happening, you need to know today, when the early church was persecuted, did they fold up and just go away? No, in 20 years, they changed their world for Jesus Christ. You know how many Christians there are in China? We don't have the exact figure, obviously, because there's more than one billion people there. You know how many Christians there are? In? Born-again Christians, I'm talking about. Not people who just go to church. Born-again Christians, more than 100 million Christians. Now, when they're going underground, they're just going to dissipate. That's it, huh? Oh, no. That's how they grew to 100 million. Do you know there's more Christians in China than in the United States? Why? because they don't care about the persecution. I mean, they care, but they don't care. They will talk about Jesus wherever. And I found so many of them when I taught, they're just filled with the Holy Spirit. Who gives me jumps? Let me go on. All right, now, when is enough enough? You have to agree with me, when we read or hear the news, we just ask ourselves, is there any truth in this country? Is there any honesty? Is there any justice in the United States? You know, 2,000 years ago, Paul just says, I'm encouraging you. And he's going to leave them with something that you need to understand. We see all kinds of people going to jail, and they get the best lawyer in the world, and pretty soon they're off. They did it, but they're freed. Here's what Paul's going to say, and you're going to hear it in a moment. Guess in our world who is going to have the last word, God. God, the judge, the perfect judge, will have the last word in our world. You see, when Jesus comes in the second coming, he's not coming as a savior to die. He's already done that. He's coming to judge the world. When is enough enough? He'll take care of it. Now, he's going to do that because he loves them, and you'll see how that works. Paul says to these people, look at verse 5. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you're suffering. Stay with it, he says. Don't throw in the towel. It's going to be okay. Basically, he's saying, you've proved that you're real believers. So withstand. Keep filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what you want to write. Remember that a Christ follower is only made worthy by God's grace. They couldn't have stood up without God's power in God's grace. Now, Paul earlier writes this. Look at Romans 8:17. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. I like part A. <laughs> I don't care too much for part B. We'll look at verse 6. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled. And notice Paul includes himself because he's being persecuted as well as Silas and Timothy and to us as well. This will happen, circle a word in your Bible, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in a blazing fire with his powerful angels. See, that's their hope. There's a time coming when enough is enough. And because God's a just and holy God, he must judge people who have rebelled against him. Now, he doesn't want to do that, but he gives them the choice to become a Christian. You'll see that later. So what is Paul saying? He's saying this to the believers. I want to direct your attention to the future, Yes, it's tough right now. It is. And we all know that. When we see this last week that we experienced, you know, when we saw all those people killed by guns in those two places, you know, El Paso and Dayton, we think, wow. And then the next day, here's four people stabbed with knives in Los Angeles and killed. What in the world? He's going to judge those people. And you have to understand, that's not the world God did. And God didn't do that. That's Satan's work. Don't ever blame God for that. He isn't out to steal, kill, and destroy. He's to save us. The world just goes, yeah, that is Christians again, that crazy stuff. No, it isn't. So Paul's saying, look, I'm telling you, the coming of Jesus will bring perfect justice to our world. Anybody looking forward to that day? Woo! Yeah, finally. So what he's saying is this. If you're a healthy Christ follower, you have to live with an eternal perspective. As you get older, maybe you get 75, like me, and then some of you are 80, some of you are 90, and you go, wow, this is a really long time. Well, it is. Compared to eternity, what is it? Think about eternity. Let's just say a number you don't know and I don't know either. 100 trillion years in heaven. That's why Paul writes in another book these momentary small troubles compared to eternity, are nothing. Wait till you get there. So what he's trying to say to the people is, you're doing great. Your love is increasing. Your faith is increasing. I know it's very difficult for you. It's very difficult for us. But keep your eyes on the end. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Look to the end, because that's where hope is going to happen. It's going to work out good for you. Now, Look at verse 7 again. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. That's the promised second coming of Jesus. He's coming as a judge. He will make war. The world that rejected him before him and rejects him, this time he judges those who reject him. Now watch how Paul writes it. Let me go back again. God is love. Some of you are not yet Christians, and one of the reasons you're not yet Christians, you say, well, God sends people to hell. I'm not serving a God like that. God never sent one person ever to hell, or never will send one person to hell. He gives us two choices. The greatest gift you have is your free will. You choose who you're going to serve. If you choose God, and you get saved, and you follow him, you'll be in heaven. If you reject God, and you'll see that in our passage here, you've chosen your end. That's just the way it is. So watch verse 8. You need to understand this. The love of God is not sending anybody. You know who hell was made for? Satan and the demons. Not for any people. That's biblical. That's from God. He never made hell for people. He wants you to choose Jesus. Now look at verse 8. And when he comes in the second coming, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, I don't have to worry when he comes that I'm going to have to be judged for my sins. When you became a Christian, Jesus already paid for your sins on the cross. I don't have to worry about my sins. His grace covered my sins. Could I hear an amen from all of you out there? Would you like to be judged for your sins? No, thank you. That's why I came to Jesus. But the unbelievers have never come, and they will suffer because they reject it. Notice, look in that verse 8 again. Those who do not know God, they know about God, but they don't have a personal relationship. And those who do not, do not obey the gospel, what is the gospel? Repent and believe. They don't believe it, so they never repent, they never believe, and they'll never be a believer. We see the difference Paul is talking about for unbelievers and believers, there's a huge difference. Unbelievers have an outcome that are different from believers. Believers, our outcome is heaven forever. Unbelievers, if they don't make a change before they die, it's hell forever. You say, Pastor Mark, how come you're so mean? Why do you say those kind of things? Because I love you. But I don't love you anywhere, but Jesus loves you. You have to understand today. Jesus spoke more about hell than he did heaven. What kind of a Jesus is that? A Jesus that died for the whole world. See, that's the truth. Now, look what Jesus says, Matthew 25. This is not me. This is not Calvary Chapel. This is not Pastor Mark. This is Jesus. Then they who reject God will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous, the Christ followers, to return life. Now, why did Jesus say that in those days? Because it's true. And he's trying to say to you, you have a choice. And you can make the choice right up to the end. The moment you take your last breath, the choice has already been made by you. That's it. It's done. And look at verse 9. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. That's exactly why. They will continue in hell throughout eternity. Probably the worst punishment, hell is not fire and brimstone. The worst punishment is they'll be separated from a loving God. You know who their roommate will be? Satan and his demons. Our roommate will be God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Here's some things people don't know and maybe you don't know directly from the Bible. Hell is a fixed place. Your last breath determines where you'll be. Remember the thief on the cross? One said to Jesus, yeah, get down and save us. The other one finally said, hey, you're the son of God, forgive me. And what did Jesus say? Today you'll be with me in paradise right to the last breath. Say, well, I'm going to wait to my last breath. You're a stupido. <laughs> and I mean that seriously. You have no idea when that will be. And if it's a minute too late, it's too late. So hell's a fixed place. There's no escape. Sorry to tell you. It's truth. There's no purgatory. Nobody can pray you out of there. You made the decision and you will suffer for your decision, and there are no second chances. It's fixed forever, for eternity, just as heaven is. Now look at verse 10. When he comes back on that day, he will receive glory from his holy people, praise from all who believe, and this includes you. Paul's just encouraging them again. He says this, for you believe what we told you about him. See, that's my goal, for you to believe what I'm teaching, which really comes from the Bible, not me. It's just the truth. So when he comes to set up that kingdom, these people will be honored because they shared the gospel, even if they were being persecuted. They shared the gospel. Look at verse 11. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may count you worthy of his calling, and that by his power, not mine, not yours, he will fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. Paul is praying very specific. He's going to say, God bless you guys. Have a nice week. He's praying for them. I know you're going to be persecuted more. So I'm praying that you'll stand. Don't throw in the towel. Hang with me. One of these days, I'll have to say that to you in this country. Because it's going to get worse and worse and worse. One of these days, I might not be here. I may be put in jail, as many pastors will be around the world. That's just what's going to happen. Take it seriously. We're closer and closer and closer to the end times. But guess who has the last word? God. God. Now look at verse 12. We pray this so that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul just says, I know you're going to be okay. I'm assuring you that the hardships actually have strengthened you. You're growing in your love. You're growing in your faith. Way to go. Now, 2,000 years later, we're experiencing the same persecutions, basically, as you see there. And I just want to leave you with an encouraging word. I want you to see how powerful this is. We should be encouraged that our future as a Christian is secure. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Rapture, absent from the body, present with the Lord. We win the battle by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not you, not me, by his power. Let's continue to grow in faith and love so we can make God look good. I'm proud of you. Don't become discouraged. Don't be without hope. The hope of the world is Jesus. He lives in you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And then here's the title of our series of First and Second Thessalonians. Look at this. Live here now, then live there forever. Remember which is the long one. It's not now. It's there forever. Now, here's something that Jesus said. Some of it I like. Some of it's a little difficult. But watch this. God blesses you when people mock you, Jesus said, and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. There's the reason again. But be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Just going to heaven is the reward. We're going to be with our Lord.
0: Thanks for joining Pastor Mark today on Lessons for Living. If you'd like to hear more from this study, you can find additional teachings online now at calvaryccm.com. We know that this time in our world is uncertain, but one truth remains steadfast, God is in control. During this season, we encourage you to spend time in the word, in prayer, and in the presence of your creator. As with many churches across our nation, Pastor Mark and the Calvary Chapel Melbourne community are holding church online. The church isn't the building, it's the people who despite whatever obstacles are in their way, still worship Jesus and praise his name. We'd love for you to join us. Visit calvaryccm.com forward slash live or join us over on Facebook, YouTube, or Roku. We'll be having services on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. We look forward to worshiping with you in this way until we can be gathered together as the body once again. We also know how essential prayer is during this time and we want you to know we're constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying about for you? Let us know by visiting our contact page at calvaryccm.com. Would you do the same for us? Please keep Pastor Mark and our church staff in your prayers along with our nation's leaders and those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying. That's all for today. Join us again for another edition of Lessons for Living.
1: Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard his word made flesh in a herb.